Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. is back here on the nerd cave retro show oh my gosh my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond Woo-hoo! he's back everybody booze <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh here we go <laughs> good to have but you no, back he... man it's been uh yeah. i mean wally filled in good for you and of course we had uh we had bethany fox on a few weeks ago so we I, I held the fort down while you were gone, so but good to have you yeah. back though. Yeah, no, and I, I wanted to say thank you to Wally for, for filling in the, the last couple of weeks. And I, I don't really want to go into too much detail, but uh, we'll just say that a f- couple of weeks ago my personal life took a turn for the worse. So I had to kind of step away from everything to get things back in order. Um so in if anyone asks, the last few episodes of my show that have been out, I had recorded before the end of the year and it already like set them to record to upload and everything. So like I still had episodes of my show in the can, but I haven't been doing any podcasting at all for the last couple of weeks. It's been, you know, get, getting things back in order. And I'll say it's been a very um, eye opening and enlightening past couple of weeks. So it happens, man, dude, when life hits you some, sometimes life can hit you pretty damn hard, man. And you just kind of got to take time for yourself. You did the same for me back in 2018 when my life came crashing down around me. And, you know, I, of course we'll do the same for you. Hold down the fort while you, you know, put, pull the pieces back together. And, you know, we're always here for you. And, you know, we're all, that's what I love about this community. We're all here for each other. Um, I have put a permanent, while I'm thinking about it, I put a permanent Discord, um, uh, Discord link on the Twitter at the very top of our Twitter page. If you go to the website and click that, it will take you directly uh, to join our Discord community. And I highly, highly recommend that because we are we hang out a lot in there, and we we just started doing game nights. We did our first game night. Monday night, we did a, a game of Among Us, and holy crap, it was so fun. Um, Derek didn't get to join us because you were, you think you were at work or something, and uh, you, yeah. you couldn't be there, but man, the next one, it's going to be insane. So if you want to get in on that and be a part of our community game nights, I highly recommend doing that. No, I definitely want to do that, and I, I hate that I missed the, the first one, but hey, there'll be more opportunities, so yeah. it's all good. Oh, of course. Uh, but yeah, but that I never played Among Us before, and um, we played Monday night, and holy crap, I had fun, man. That is a great game to play with with friends. Yeah, for sure. I, I haven't dabbled into it all that much, but I definitely want to do so uh, in the future. So, uh, but yeah, it's good to it's good to be back. I actually did um, three interviews for my show. 
uh, earlier today. I took the day off because uh, I'm I've been doing the show in batches hmm. just because it's a lot easier to do that way, and I don't have to worry about you know scrambling to find guests or you know come up with something last minute to do new content. So had, did some really good interviews today, and you know happy to be back here doing this show. Yeah, the uh, the Empire Strikes Back roundtable dropped what last week. Uh, and uh, that was it, it was that, at the end of the year yeah that was a fun episode to do so if you haven't listened to that one go check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast and uh, listen to me and Derek and Wally uh, wax poetic about our favorite movie The Empire Strikes Back The Goat The Goat the greatest yep. absolute greatest of all time when you, when you think when you say The Goat there's Drew Brees and there's Empire Strikes Back <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. No, that's that's good. No, there there's some there's still some good episodes out too. I did a Mandalorian roundtable with uh, our mutual friend Steve Wise. That's a good one. And too. Uh, local um local actor Thomas Carter Rochester, who's also a podcaster. Um, I last week put out uh, an interview that I did with an actress named Christina Wren, who's uh who played a role in Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. So she talks about that among other things throughout her career. So there's there's some some good content out and some stuff uh, coming down the pipeline too. Oh yeah. And you definitely want to be there for Derek's 300th episode too. I, uh, I curated uh, a cool guest for, for Derek for that. Episode. I, I, I cashed in the favor. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that it was waiting for no, you. You just had to cash yeah, it in. So <laughs> yeah. So now that'll be coming out uh, early March. So there, there's some other things that I'll be doing with the show too, but I, I'll chat with you about that off air to get your uh oh, yeah. get your thoughts on <laughs> so how have you been uh last week or so you've been playing anything other than wind waker um not too much um i've still been dabbling a little bit in playing uh crash team racing nitro fueled yeah unlocking new content for that uh, i was able to beat it and uh kind of going back and doing like another another run through of that um played a little bit of sonic mania Nothing too like out of the ordinary, um, but I, I'm starting to, you know, as things have gotten better with um, with life and everything, yeah. it's been um, I've been able to kind of transition back into into playing video games. That's good. Um, I actually have been slowly getting everything I need to be able to uh, um, be able to stream from my Switch. Um, I just got this little HDMI switch the other day. I uh, got a brand new TV for up here by my computer and uh, got me a brand new 8-bit dough or 8-bit do, however you pronounce it, a uh, new controller for my Switch. Uh, it's really cool. It's like a it's like a Super Nintendo controller, but it's got the, uh, the analog sticks on it, too. Um, I played a little bit of Castlevania on the Switch last night with it. And um, I, I, that's another thing. I got the, uh, the Konami's been having a big sale on the Switch. You can go pick up the, uh, the Contra series the uh the the castlevania package and um the arcade package uh i got the arcade package um from capcom too the other day that has a uh, final fight and stuff on it um those are all on sale right now so if you're interested in getting those go get those asap from the switch store and uh, especially that castlevania one the castlevania one's great it's got a ton of castlevania stuff on there if you haven't played it yeah, I definitely need to pick that up. But yeah, I'll be streaming my Switch soon, so I'm getting everything I need and the games I want to play. 
and uh, I'm gonna start doing that soon. And I would That's love exciting. The next time we do the community game night, I plan on streaming it right here on my channel. Fantastic. But uh, but I don't know about you. We got a lot of news to get to tonight. Are you ready to go into the some news? Good, some good stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. This came to us from uh, both I Am The Rampage and Axeblade07 on our uh, email. Uh, from PCGamesN.com, uh, PC uh, PlayStation emulator Bleem will soon be a Steam competitor selling retro games. If you're a modern PC gamer looking for a PlayStation emulator, you might be looking for something like Madnafin or EPSXE. But back in the day, we had Bleem a piece of commercial software released in the late 90s that directly competed against Sony's own hardware. Well, Bleem will soon be back as the name of a new PC storefront aimed at selling illegal, emulated versions of obscure old games. Um, let's see, Pico Interactive has picked up the rights to obscure uh, this bit of video game history for its new store and custom emulation wrapper. Um, it's already been producing plenty of stuff for the retro gaming community, including a selection of reproduction carts for various consoles. Um, they've done uh, games such as Super 3D, Noah's Ark, and 40 Winks on Steam. Uh, let's see. It aims to license out its Bleem wrapper for developers who want to publish their classic games on Steam or uh, good old games. The company also aims to work with homebrew devs to help monetize their games. What do you think about this uh, sort of a steam for, for retro games? I dig it other than the fact that they used a screen cap from Glover yeah. as the, the headline. <laughs> I don't know if you've played Glover, but it is... No, but I remember pretty... that. That's, that's ugly. They could have used something so much better than that. Right? I mean, you could have used almost anything other than Glover. I, I don't know why you would do that. That's a... Next time I want to review just a really bad game, I yeah. might review Glover. <laughs> it says right uh, now it's uh, it's under construction. Um, currently, it's just a throwback to '90s under construction pages. If you remember those from uh, the internet back in the '90s, the under construction pages. But it'll be a web store that sells NES, SNES, Genesis, Game Boy, TurboGrafx-16, and PlayStation One titles. Well, and I feel like we've kind of dabbled in something like this, you know, in discussions on the show about there being some type of a platform where yep. you could play retro games. Yes. And this sounds like it might fill that need. You know, I'd love to see a little bit more about it before I really form an opinion on it, but mm -hmm. I like the idea of it. I think it sounds really cool. Well, there needs to be something like this because you have all those old NES, Super Nintendo games that you just can't get and play anymore unless you have a super nintendo or a nintendo and you go buy these games find them at a flea market or go to a retro gaming store get them off ebay it's not easy to play some of these games but if you have a steam type store like this where you can uh, you know be able to emulate these games online for you know legally and get yourself a nice controller like that 8-bit dough controller i just got you can go back to playing these old games and that's what it, retro gaming deserves this. It needs something like yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, we've been clamoring for it almost since day one of us doing the show. I know several other people who would love to to have access to something like this, too. Yeah. So, And I agree with what Rampage says. I hope they get some good licenses. That's going to be very important, I yeah. think, when it comes to this. 
Especially, it's it's probably going to be hard to get Nintendo on board because they're notoriously yeah. protective of their stuff. But they have to understand at some point, if you're not going to put this stuff on the Switch store, you're not going to put it on uh, Switch Online under the NES category or Super Nintendo category, let us be able to get it another way. You know, put the, the ROM online through the site and make money that way. Yep. I 100% agree with that. But we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Early build of Zelda 64 discovered inside F-Zero X development cartridge. This is actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're fascinated with pre-release builds of classic games like Zelda Ocarina of Time, then it might be worth reading on. An early beta build of Link's iconic action-adventure title from the N64 generation has been discovered. It's believed to possibly predate Space World 97, and was actually found on a development cartridge containing F-Zero X. That means there is a lot of content, graphics and maps to be precise, that didn't make the cut in Zelda 64's final release. The source, Forest of Illusion, has made the map files from this build publicly available and hope they'll be able to be converted to a playable format. It also clarifies that this is obviously not part of the Nintendo GigaLeak dating back to last year. So there are several Twitter posts on this article that show you, like, unfinished maps they show you character designs um kind of like 3d renderings of some of the maps so there is actually some really cool content that that you can see here and i i love seeing stuff like this because you know much like the fascination of how movies are made the way games are made has always fascinated me so seeing like the like the beta versions of what would eventually become you know, my all-time favorite video game is is really cool. So I, I would recommend anybody who's listening go to NintendoLife.com and look at the article because it's got some really good content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also go follow uh, at Forest Illusion, F-O-R-E-S-T-I-L-L-U-S-I-O-N on Twitter to see some of those uh, uh, map graphics and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And you you can see the very early designs. Like there's one here that shows the like a rendering of Link's house, the interior yeah. of it. So like seeing that is is really cool and just seeing like Link walk down what looks like a dirt road with other houses around it that you can tell aren't completed is is really cool. It's so weird where they find this stuff at now. You know, they 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 find yeah. this in a just a, in a data dump on an, an FX zero, uh, F0X development cartridge. Like, why was it on there? And, like, <laughs> I just don't... I, it's like the weird stuff they fi- they've been finding lately on just random places. It's just weird to me. Now, if Nintendo were smart, what they would do is, you know, this year is the 35-year anniversary of Zelda. You could put stuff like this on a re-released or remastered Ocarina of Time. Be like, hey, look at the early stages of this. I think it would be a really cool thing for Nintendo to do, but yep. we all know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. This next story is pretty cool, too. Um, from NintendoLife.com, the, the SNES almost got a Zelda-style Back to the Future 2 RPG. Um, the Back to the Future movie franchise is one of, the Hollywood, one of Hollywood's most famous products of the 80s, and it should come as no surprise to find that it had its fair share of licensed video games, and most of them sucked. Um, let's see, season 
Nintendo fans recall the second movie was turned into a cute and cuddly side-scrolling platform adventure for the Super Famicom, released in 93 under the title Super Back to the Future Part 2. Um, and if you've never seen, I've seen um, some uh, YouTube videos of this game. It actually looked very cool. And I can't believe this never came to America for the Super Nintendo. Um, however, it would seem that Nintendo's 16-bit system was supposed to get a very different game. While leafing through copies of Famitsu Magazine from the time, video game preservation outlet Gaming Alexandria stumbled across the following preview which shows a more Zelda-style RPG approach was in place before the game switched to a 2D hoverboard-focused plat hoverboard platformer. Uh, given that Super Back to the Future Part 2 um, didn't get localized, it's hard to see why the developers would have gone the extra mile to bring an RPG-style game to the West but still, it's interesting to note that we almost got an RPG starring Marty, Doc Brown, Biff, and company. I, that sounds like something I want to play right now. <laughs> A Zelda-style Back to the Future game for the Super Nintendo. That scratches all my itches. Sounds heavy. <laughs> is, there <something laughs> is there something wrong with the Earth's gravity in the future? <laughs> There's something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull. No, this this sounds like I agree with you 100%. I would play the hell out of this game if it were a thing. You you give me Zelda style and you give me one of my favorite movies of all time all combined together. Yes, sign me up. <laughs> Take my money. Yeah, I, I can't believe this didn't see the light of day. I know. I can't even believe that even as the 2D platformer never came to America. If you've ever seen um, the uh, videos of this on YouTube, there's actually a video here. A little in, bit, yeah. In the uh, article, it looks great, and it looks yeah. fun. Like, why did this not come to America? Uh, Rampage, I never played the, uh, the Telltale Back to the Future game. I wanted to. I just ne kind of never got around to it. Same. It looked cool. Yeah, it looked great. I but, just, it was one of yeah. those things that just kind of slowly passed me by and then just never thought about it. Yeah. I have to add that to the long, long yeah. list of games that I, I need know. to play. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like we haven't discussed this topic in a while, so I'm glad you threw this article in here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from CBR.com. Sonic the Hedgehog races to Hulu next month. Sonic the Hedgehog will arrive on the streamer on February 18th, just a year past its initial release date in theaters. It's been a year Other... already. Holy crap. I know, right? <laughs> I was I, My girlfriend and I were talking earlier. It's, like the, it's crazy to think this month's already almost over. I know. It just seems like yesterday was New Year's. But uh, it will arrive on stream, uh, the streamer on February 18th, including... Uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Wrath of Khan, Star Trek 3 Search for Spock, Star Trek 5 The Final Frontier. Why they would put that one on there, I have no idea. Uh, mostly Star Trek all, the bad, all the bad Star Trek movies are going on here. Uh, well, they did have Star, Star Trek, Trek 6. 2, and 6 are good. Yeah, and then they have Insurrection, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and everyone's favorite movie, The Shape of Water. I like The Shape of Water, honestly. Really? Yeah. I, well, I was a huge. I'm a huge fan of a uh, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, and it's basically like a sequel to that, like a spiritual sequel. So I'm all about. Yeah. It. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I didn't look at it in that way, but no, I, I get that. I totally get that. So 
essentially, you know, this is the first time I think that Sonic is going to be available to stream for free anywhere. If you have like a subscription to Hulu, then mm-hmm. you're able to actually watch it because it hasn't been available, you know, really anywhere else as far yeah. as to stream. You can buy it or rent it, but um, I, I think it's the uh, you know natural next step, and I mean I'm. It also talks about the the sequel, which I won't get into too much because I know we'll have plenty of time to discuss the the sequel. But it is saying that uh, Jeff Fowler, who is the director, will be returning. Pat Casey and Josh Miller will be returning to write the script. And it says here, aside from Tails, Knuckles the Echidna is also expected to make an appearance in a supporting role. And Paramount Pictures is looking to cast a voice actor who is. Serious in nature, but still gullible at times. I'm right here, Paramount. I, I will. I, I'm. I'm available. Just email me right here, nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Ask for my voiceover reel. I'll send it. And I'm very gullible, and I'm sometimes serious in nature. <laughs> and after you hire Jason, hire me on as a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> But the studio is also looking to cast a supporting character named Randall who will only interact with the human characters in the film and an A-list star for a quick cameo. Big names such as Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock have been thrown around, but nothing is finalized. I think, and I know he's busy as hell, but they set up a cameo for The Rock. Yeah, they did. The first (laughs) Either have him as the president or have him voice Knuckles. Yeah. I would love if he voiced Knuckles. That would be great. Yeah. I initially I was not a favor in favor of him being in the sequel because I feel like they need to I'm worried that they're going to try and put too much in the second movie. Because the first one yeah. was a success, I I'm worried that they're going to try and cram in other characters. So if you want to I mean obviously Tails is going to be in it. Yeah. If you want to put in Knuckles, I think I think that's fine. I think but Knuckles as as is one of those things that you uh, you save for part three. That that was initially my thought, is you have him as the antagonist for most of the movie, but then by the end of it, he becomes good and sides with Sonic against Robotnik. Yeah, because honestly, you know, Jim Carrey, Robotnik's still alive, and he's coming back with a vengeance, so, you know, he's kind of the natural uh, enemy to come back for part two. So, and I know Jim Carrey loved doing the role. You could tell he was having the time of his life in that movie. And I hope he comes back. I, I can't wait for part two. I love this first. It's great. I don't think they need to do a Sonic movie without Robotnik as yeah. the villain. Because, at least in some way. Because Jim Carrey, that movie would not have been the same if not for Jim Carrey's Robotnik portrayal. So I, I think, you know, you naturally set it up to where he, you know, he's trapped in another world, but we all know he's going to get out. Oh, yeah. And he's going to come back to Earth with a vengeance. So I, I, I wouldn't mind if Knuckles was in it, but I, I would prefer if they focus on developing the relationship between Sonic and Tails. Yeah, that's if that's they want to if they want to go ahead and pull the trigger on Metal Sonic and you not have Knuckles, then I think you can do that. But if you introduce Metal Sonic, I think you have to introduce Amy Rose, too, because they were both introduced in the same game. Yeah. So there's a few different avenues that that they can go, but, I mean, I could theorize about this all night. Yeah, Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, It'll probably be, what, 2022? 
before it comes out. So we got at least another year of speculation before anything. Yeah, and, and there will be stuff that comes out, like stills and trailers and whatnot, that we'll be able to talk about, and too. What so happened may- on all the Sonic stuff Sega was said they were going to release last year? I mean, the... This year was the year to do it because know, this man. year is the 30th anniversary of the character. So, but we haven't heard anything. We ha- still haven't heard anything about a new game. No, nothing. And we haven't heard anything Sonic related since the movie. And then Sega was like, "We've got all this Sonic stuff. We're gonna, re- you know, release over the next year." And then nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. Come on, Sega. And for our last story tonight. This is from RetroDodo.com. Metroid Prime 4 release date leaked by Amazon. Uh, It's been a long time since the Metroid Prime trailer dropped in 2017, but the Metroid Prime 4 release date has finally been leaked by global e-commerce giants Amazon. Um, Where was it? Let's see. The release date's towards the end of the article. I remember it's down towards the bottom. Um, the, the trilogy first started on the GameCube in 2002. We know that. Um, come on, where's it at? This is a long article, so I should have highlighted it. All good. Uh, let's see. Okay, here. Uh, Metro Prime 4 release date apparently is set for Monday the 2nd of January 2023. Um, that seems like a pretty long time. When I read that, I was like, man... That's towards the end of the Switch's life. Like, I, I don't know. Man. I feel like, like it's going to come out sooner than that. I think so too. They've, I mean, they've been working. They, like I said, back in 2017, they came out with the 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 trailer, and then what? Late 2018 or so is when they scrapped it and yep. started over again. So they've been working on it for at least a year and a half now, at least. So we've got to be uh, close to something at this point. Yeah, I I think 2022 is probably the likely release date. If not in the summer, maybe the holidays, but you know, we also don't know when the next switch if it's the switch 2. You know, we don't know when that's going to come out, so Yeah. Who who knows? I I think 2023 is a little far off, but I, I think 2022 would be a little more accurate, in my opinion. Like 2023 just sounds so far away. I know it does. I mean, we're still we're not we're still in January of 2021. We're talking two full years away from yeah. from this. And they, I think it's got to be sooner. The new features of Metroid Prime. It'll have a multiplayer mode, uh, much like the multiplayer madness experience in GoldenEye. Um, let's see, co-op mode, um, DLC. DLC plays a huge part in the game releases these days, uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm sure that Nintendo will have DLC for it, but they're not really that big on DLC. Like they did it for Breath of the Wild, but that's that's about it. I mean, they do it for Smash Brothers. Yeah, which I'm surprised they're still doing. Yeah, if I'm being completely honest. I just want. But them to who hurry knows what will happen? Hurry up, Nintendo! I need my Metroid. Yeah. I was well, hoping. we we will have plenty of Metroid discussion next week. I was really hoping. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I was really hoping that we were going to get at least a trailer 
early this year uh, for Metroid and be like, coming, you know, October or November 2021. And I'd have been like, woohoo, let's do it. End of the year, Metroid, awesome. That'll be my Christmas purchase. But now it's like two years from now. Jeez. Come on. Come on. Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know why they, they seem like they ne- neglect Metroid so much. I don't know. I don't get it. And they neglect F Zero and Star Tropics, all these great yep. franchises that they need to bring back. Come on, Nintendo. We have money if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history, shall we? Yes. <laughs> On January 5th of 1988, Shareware Games, uh, Shareware Game, The Adventures of Captain Comic is one of the first NES-style side-scrolling platform games for the MS-DOS, setting the stage for a sub- subsequent Shareware boom. Was this made by... Uh, who? Color Dreams. Color Dreams. Oh, I thought this was by... This might be the guys that, that went on to do Doom. Um, Thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, it's uh, it, it's got the name Michael Denio, D E N I O. I don't know, but I, I know we've talked about this game before because I recognize the the list of items that's uh, screen capped here on the on the Wikipedia link. Because John McCormick was uh, the developer. Well, he created. Um, he worked for, uh, was it, no, yeah, it was John Carmack, and he did all of the programming for, like, Doom and stuff, and I thought he was the first one to develop side-scrolling capability on PC. But I'm, now I don't know. I'm gonna have to go and, and, uh, look at this. Captain Comet causing all kinds of ruckus here on the Nerd Cave yeah, Retro I know. Show. Well, <laughs> well, the thing is, like, John Carmack is actually the one who, because what they did was, is they went in and John Carmack created the, be able to side scroll on a PC, and he, they basically recreated the first level of Super Mario Brothers um, to show mm-hmm. that they could do it on the PC. And that's when they, they got picked up and started making video games because he was that's pretty much all he did was was uh you know program like push programming for video games like that's how they created doom and all and pretty much everything forward from that right i don't know this is confusing to me because they make it sound like captain comic was the first one to do side scrolling but i don't know this is this is this is strange this this is a mandela effect On January 8th of 1988, Konami releases Super Contra. Freaking hard game, man. (laughs) Yep. It is. And I I know we've talked about this game before and the poster, but I love the poster so much. If you want something that just vomits the 1980s, check out the Super Contra poster. Yeah, Super C. was great on the Nintendo. It was one of those games like 
you know, along with the original Contras, one of those games you just get with one of your buddies and just play, you know, Friday and yeah. Saturday night on the weekends. And man, trying to play Super C uh, by yourself is a tough task. Yeah, no, I I can definitely see that. Uh, January 31st of 1992, Quintet and Enix released Soul Blazer for the SNES. This is a game that I've been wanting to play for a while. Uh, it was made by Quintet, who also, uh, I think they created Actraiser as well as Illusion of Gaia. Yeah. So it's, they made like that. It's not a trilogy so much, but it's a set of three games for the Super Nintendo. Uh, th- this is a game that looks like it's right up my alley. I love that RPG uh, element, that top-down view, kind of like Link to the Past, mm-hmm. and so many other good RPGs for the Super Nintendo. So I, I, I hope to to play this soon. I think I played this back in the day. This looks really familiar. I think I may have there rented were, this one time. But honestly, there were so many games like this for the Super Nintendo that it's yeah. like they all kind of blend together. And it says here, <laughs> game journalists often consider Soul Blazer to be an unofficial trilogy with the games Illusion of Gaia and uh, Terranigma, I believe is how you're saying it. So uh, it might it might not have been um, Actraiser. Yeah. I might have misspoke on that. Uh, Rampage just wrote in the chat room that Commander Keen is the game I'm thinking of that John Carmack did. Yeah, Commander Keen was one of the first games that had to uh, that that was able to side scroll on the PC, and they got the they got picked up to develop the game Commander Keen because he developed the uh, the ability to side scroll on PC. That's what I was trying yeah. to remember was Commander Keen. Weird. Commander Keen. It's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> they made a bunch of those Commander Keen games back in the day. But let's um, see in oh uh January of nineteen ninety four, Mega Man X is released in the United States. Freaking hard game. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned not, Super C earlier. I'm Mega not, Man X is a really hard game. I'm not a huge fan of... I love the Mega Man games, but I'm not a huge fan of the Mega Man X games. Too much dialogue, too much stopping in the middle of the action. Like, I love the old-school Nintendo uh, Mega Man games where it's just run and gun, man. Run and gun. Yeah, Mega Man X it was a little dialogue heavy i mean the gameplay was still good it plays like a Mega Man game but yeah it's a little more story focused i feel like than the older games yeah but, but I, I still enjoyed it rampage said Mega Man x is his favorite one which that's okay i mean there's nothing wrong with that it's just i prefer just a, a little bit of dialogue before you go into the you know whatever um bad guy which whichever section you're going to do first or next whatever get a little bit of dialogue then you just go in and do the whole level as fast as you can like that's that's the mega man experience yeah for sure uh january 21st of 1999 super smash brothers is released for the nintendo 64 in japan and like you said every time i i see this i think of that commercial that very first smash brothers commercial with them dancing in the field, yeah. and they just start beating the crap out of each the other. Hell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> that commercial is still, to this day, one of the greatest video game commercials ever made. 
Did you ever see the Link to the Past commercials that were made in Japan? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember. Whenever we're whenever we're done with this episode, you should go on YouTube. It's got uh, Link and Zelda and a lot of the other characters from the game all doing a musical dance number. <laughs> it's so bad. Wow. I love it. I it love... It's awful, but I love it. I love going back and watching all the old uh, video game commercials from the 80s, the 80s and 90s. They have whole... Uh, on YouTube, you can go look at whole collections of them. On yeah, there. but I, I agree with you. Super Smash Brothers that that commercial is is up there with you know with the best. And I can't believe that this game is over twenty years old. I know, <laughs> twenty two. It makes me feel so now. old. Yeah, twenty. <laughs> yeah, twenty two years old. It can be in college right now. Yeah, it could be graduating college now. Yeah, and Super Smash Brothers, you know, like especially the original, and is a game that will always hold a special place to me because, you know, us growing up Nintendo fans, we were like, okay, what if Mario and Link ever interacted with each other? What if yeah. Link and Samus ever interacted? And you got that with Smash Brothers, and it's still going on to this day. And you look at the the massive success that Smash Brothers Ultimate has been. Yeah, it, it's it all started with a simple N sixty four game with. 12 fighters oh yeah it's crazy but to close us out for this month in video game history i mainly threw this in there because we can use these now because they're 20 years old <laughs> on january 4th of 2001 officially over 20 years ago jagex i'm sure i'm saying that wrong releases runescape for microsoft windows Wow. I don't know if you ever played RuneScape. Uh, no, but my girlfriend plays it. It's still oh, okay. Yeah, it's still it's still available to play online. She plays it. I've never played it. You know what's twenty sad? years old, man? It just hit me when we started this show. We had a twenty year limit of what could be considered retro. So at the time, anything nineteen ninety six and before. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> 209 episodes later and 2001 is officially retro <laughs> the crazy thing is in november the gamecube will turn 20 years old oh don't tell me that <laughs> <laughs> when i was looking up different you know things to put in here i was like god i'm gonna have to put that in november it's uh i remember getting that for Christmas, like it was yesterday. Yeah. I remember getting the original NES for my, what, 10th birthday? 11th, 11th birthday mm -hmm. in, in 1988. And I still remember it to this day. I still remember that feeling. And that was 30, 33 years ago now. <laughs> I don't like it, man. Yes. Yeah, I mean now the with the Super Nintendo is going to be in August is going to be thirty years old because I I remember getting that because it, it came out I think like oh, two weeks after my birthday so I got it as like a late birthday gift yeah thirty thirty freaking years ago I got it in Christmas nineteen ninety one so Christmas this year will be thirty <sighs> years since I got the Super Nintendo. You know what? I'm done. I'm just going to fade out. <laughs>
Uh, before we go into the review tonight, Derek has some shout outs. Yes, as always, we like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. The ones who keep us afloat here on the podcast that keep the lights on for us. We want to shout out Armez Jackson, Xblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, Tyler Watson, Justin Olson, and of course, Mr. Brandon Rutledge. And because you guys have kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks, which I believe our next one we're going to do is another twofer. Mm-hmm. We're going to do an episode of Super Mario Brothers Super Show and Sonic the Hedgehog. So those should be a lot of fun. And also wanted to give a thanks to those who voted in the Patreon poll uh, for our first roundtable discussion for this month, which will be Metroid. So we will be doing a Metroid roundtable discussion next week. Uh, Roundtable poll for February is already up. So if you haven't got your vote in, be sure to do that because the poll closes at the end of the month. If you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head on over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Rampage said we need to start including PlayStation 2 titles on here now. No. Uh. No, not yet. It's not time. And we're tonight, Derek is talking about. So Irishy and jaunty and <laughs> sea shanty. It's a little different than your typical Zelda music, but oh, yeah. in a good way, I think. So I had to come back with a, to me, a game that I knew a lot about and a game that I feel like is a little overdue to be talked about. And that would be The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, which is an action-adventure game developed and published by Nintendo for the GameCube home video game console. The 10th installment in the Zelda series. Crazy to think that. It was released in Japan December of 2002, in North America in March of 2003, and in Europe in May of 2003. So I wanted to start off with a funny story. So, you know, when the GameCube was launched in 2001, at E3, they showed, I believe it was E3, or it might have been might have been somewhere similar, but they showed this demo of Link and Ganondorf fighting each other. And the graphics were realistic for the time. And all the Zelda fanboys, including myself, were like, oh my god, we're going to get a high-quality, realistic-looking Zelda game. We're going to get fight Ganon in a sword fight. It's going to be awesome. And we didn't hear anything about it for a while. Then at E3, it might have been the following year or the year after, they unveiled the trailer for Wind Waker, which was a little different looks-wise than what we had gotten years before for the, the GameCube demo. So I was... Let's see, this was... It came out in December of 2002. So 2002, I would have been a sophomore in high school. And the way that my high school was laid out, all the classes were in separate small buildings. There were several small buildings located throughout the property. And I had to go across the entire school to get to my third period class. 
And I would always run into my friend Andrew, who was a huge Zelda fan. And, you know, we'd always run into each other and we would talk. And I, when I watched this trailer, I knew he was going to have something to say about it. He power walks up to me and he's like, the new Zelda is going to suck. I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, hey, did you watch it? I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, Jeff Bridges, like, yeah. And I was like, he's like, but it looks terrible. I'm like, I give it a shot. I'm not. I, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't going to be realistic, but I was like, you know what? I haven't really played a bad Zelda game besides Adventure of Link. But so I was like, I'll give them a shot. And the more info that came out about it and seeing the trailers and the fact that it was starting to innovate sword play a little bit as far as you being able to parry attacks and do, you know, flips and everything. It, it really kind of started that next wave of how you fight in Zelda games. And yet the graphics are cutesy and cell shaded and everything. And I, I call this version of Link Kitty Cat Link because you, you he has little cat eyes. Yeah. And that was even the thing too, is that it kind of revolutionized him interacting with his environment because you walk into a dungeon, if there was like a lever that you needed to pull or something along those lines, you could look at Link's eyes and he would kind of, you know, look up at the ceiling or look at the wall. It really started a next wave of Zelda, and I think Wind Waker does not get enough credit for that. Yeah, well, you were talking about how people didn't like the uh, the, the the graphics of the game. See, this was the first game I had played since uh, Link to the Past because I had a Super Nintendo, um, and I I did have a Nintendo sixty four. But I didn't play any of the Zelda games, and I didn't get the Nintendo 64 till late in its life, because um, I went from a Nintendo 64 in like 1999, and I had it for like a year before I got uh, the original Xbox. So I went from Nintendo 64, never played any of the Zelda games, to Xbox, and then I got uh, a GameCube around 2003 or so. I had gotten it used, and um, I bought Wind Waker was the first game I bought for it. So that was the first Zelda game I'd played in 10 years, you know, since Link to the Past and Wind Waker. So going from that cartoon style to, you know, the cel-shaded, um, you know, Legend of Zelda graphics that were in Wind Waker, like, that was like, holy crap, this game looks good. Like, I thought it looked great. I didn't, I had no clue about the whole... You know, it was supposed to be realistic looking and people didn't like the, the look of it. Like, I fell in love with this game the minute I played it on, on, the, on the GameCube. Well, another thing, too, if you look at Zelda games that have been released since then, you look at Twilight Princess that looked darker and more realistic. Yeah. Didn't do as well. But you throw in, like, Breath of the Wild, which to me is a great hybrid between yeah. the two, where the characters... Like look wise, they look human, but still has that cell shaded animated quality. And honestly, I don't want Zelda really to look hyper realistic. No. I, I like the I like the animated feel to it because you can look at Wind Waker, its look is timeless. Mm -hmm. You look at Twilight Princess, its look is not timeless because you can tell, okay, this was a game that was made, you know, late GameCube, early Wii. Exactly. Era. And I think Nintendo really has realized that over the years is the more real real you try to make 
Zelda, Legend of Zelda games look, um, you know, they don't age as well as the stylized versions do. Like Link to the Past still holds up to this day. Wind Waker holds up. You know, Breath of the Wild is going to hold up crazy long time. You know, I don't want a Zelda game that looks like uh, Elder Scrolls. Like if I want to play Elder, if I want something that looks like Elder Scrolls, I'm going to play Elder Scrolls. I, if I want, I want to play Zelda because I want to be in that that cool, you know, half realistic, half cartoon world. And it, it, it like they do that so well, and it sucks you into that world. And that's what I've come to expect from from Zelda game. No, I I 100% agree with that. But, you know, the, I bought the game the first day it came out, and I was hooked instantly. You know, the, the opening theme that has that kind of, like, you know, flute-type yeah. sound to it, and it just sounds really peaceful and catchy. And you see the, you know, as the camera pans over the ocean and over to Outset Island where Leek lives, you knew it was going to be different because you... And you know from the very beginning that it's going to be different because... We, I believe we've talked about the Zelda timeline a little bit on this show, but to give a very quick synopsis of it, the timeline of Zelda splits into three directions after Ocarina of Time. There's the child timeline where Link is sent back in time to relive his childhood. That's when Majora's Mask takes place. Then there's the fallen hero timeline where Ganon actually kills Link, but then he's sealed in the... Um, the sacred realm, which becomes the dark world uh, by the seven sages. And then for the sequels you have are the original Zelda as well as Link to the Past. Then there's the adult timeline where it's the world that adult Link leaves behind when he's sent back in time to relive his childhood. So like Ganon's been defeated. Years later, Ganon returns. But we don't really know what happens because everyone calls for Link to come back, but obviously he doesn't. But we don't know what happened. And then the game starts where you're on this island. And you, you meet the, the King of Red Lions, which is a, a talking red boat. And your job is to, to sail to, to these different islands. And it's actually a pretty big game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not entirely open world, but it's, it's pretty chunky as far as the areas that you can go. I believe there's 49 different sections of the map that you can go to. So it, it's... You're going to get a lot of playthrough out of this game. But the, the twist of it, so you start off the game, you have to collect these three pearls in order to um, go to the Tower of the Gods to essentially do trials. After you complete that, you're taken underwater where you see Hyrule Castle submerged under the sea. And the first time I saw that, my, my mouth dropped. I was like, oh my <laughs> God, that's such a great twist. Because like, it was so different yeah. than you know, just playing through Hyrule and fighting Ganon and saving Princess Zelda. You're like, okay, this, it still has that Zelda feel to it, but the location is the same, but also very different. And... You know, obviously, Ganondorf is still the antagonist of the game, which you find out later on, um, because these are descendants of Link and Zelda that are still fighting the original Ganondorf. So it, it was really cool to see the story progress and it go in different directions than what became known as the Zelda formula. Yeah. 
And, and if you, there's a pretty good uh, video. I think um, Cinemasker did a good video of the uh, the Legends of Zelda timeline to try and explain what order the, all the games go in. And, and it's weird. Like uh, the original Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo actually ends up being like one of the very last games in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's debate on where Breath of the Wild. Uh, falls as far as like in what timeline and where i i personally like the theory that it unites all of them but that's that's a story for another time they might actually touch on that in breath of the wild too do you think judging by what we saw in the trailer i think so i i really think they're because they've hinted at the past as far as previous incarnations but I, I could see them really diving into the history of it with with breath of the wild too yeah. but um a, a little bit as far, as far as more of the story goes so link lives on uh outset island and he's come of age where he's essentially the same age that link was when he started his journey in ocarina of time so as a part of a ceremony he gets the green tunic like Link wears in most games. And then his sister is captured by this giant bird called the Helmarok King. And from there, Link enlists the help of this gang of pirates to go find his sister. After that happens, Link meets the King of Red Lions. You start to find out more about uh, you know, his journey and everything, and then you eventually get the Master Sword. Uh, but the crazy thing is, is that the Master Sword has completely lost its power. So then you have to go to these different temples to restore the power before you can go back to Hyrule and fight Ganon. Another cool thing that I like about this game too is it has a little bit of replayability in the sense that you can go through it a second time and Link can wear the pajamas that he wears at the beginning. He wears like a, a blue long sleeve shirt that looks like has a crawfish or a lobster on the front. <laughs> So getting to have a different outfit is pretty cool. And plus, there are a couple of characters who speak the ancient Hylian language. So when you play through it the first time, you can't understand them. But it, it translates it the second time. So you learn a little bit more about the backstory when you do that. And plus, there are a lot of cool collectibles, too. I mean, it's you know filling out your map, uh, finding various treasure throughout the sea. It's got a lot of replayability, which I, I think most Zelda games do, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I, and but, one of the things that I was just sitting here thinking about, I was like, you know, this is the 35th anniversary of uh, Zelda this year, The Legend of Zelda. And I'm really wondering what Nintendo has in store. And, you know, they did the, the, the Mario 3-pack last year with Mario Sunshine and, and uh, Galaxy. I really wonder if they're going to do something Legend of Zelda. Like, are they going to redo, like, have a three-pack of Majora's Mask, um, Wind Waker, and, um, oh, crap, what was the other Ocarina one? of Time. Ocarina of Time. I wonder if they'll have a three-pack of those. Like, I would love to get, like, an updated version of those games and play through those. Well, the cool thing is they did do a remaster of Wind Waker for the Wii U. Mm -hmm. So they could, in theory, use that in, in the three-pack. But I, I would even love to see 
some type of collection with the 2D games too, like yeah. Link to the Past. Well, that's what I was thinking Zelda. because they are, um, you know, taking a lot of stuff that came out on the Wii U and releasing it on the Switch. So I'd really like yeah. to have Win with the the remaster of Wind Waker. I, you know, I'd love to have a a remaster everything. <laughs> like, give me all of it. Oh, absolutely! Like you, you throw Zelda on the title, and chances are I'm going to get it. But I, I did want to correct myself. So the the demo I mentioned of Link fighting Ganondorf that looked realistic was at the 2000 Space World Expo, okay. where Nintendo announced the GameCube for the first time. So it wasn't at E3. I didn't think it was, but I I was trying to like I was trying to remember like what other expos did they have around that time. But you know, it was it was the 2000 Space World. But I, th- this game to me is right up there with the all time great. Zelda games. You know, I've praised Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Link to the Past. This would be in the upper tier of Zelda games just because the gameplay is great. It started the, like I said, the next wave of innovating Zelda gameplay with being able to block opponents' attacks, being able to, you know, parry and do flips and, you know, hit your opponent. Uh, on the top of the head with your sword the music is great you know and i feel like that's a staple for every zelda game yeah a lot of the boss fights the music in this game is really good i love and to tell you how catchy the song is that plays whenever you're sailing throughout the sea pretty much anytime i'm like on a boat (laughs) or on water that song pops in my head and that is no lie oh yeah and that that, that that should tell that should tell you like how much that music has stayed with me throughout the years. And that was the cool thing about this game is the music is so different than a lot of the other games. You know, it's just like I said, it's got that sh- that very. Like, it's hard to describe. It's like that kind of Irish, almost like like sea shanty, yeah. like uh, you know, mm-hmm. pirate buccaneer sound to it. It's not your typical sweeping, you know, like uh, the Legend of Zelda, you know, it's it's kind of different. Well, and it still has just enough of the the Zelda feel like whenever you go into a house, you hear the theme, the house theme from Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it has all the classic, you know, jingles like whenever you open a treasure chest, when you find a treasure, uh, things like that. So. It does enough of introducing kind of a new feel, which makes sense because the location is different. You know, it it feels very seaside and ocean-esque in a sense. But all in all, like, you know, the, this game was received extremely well. I mean, Metacritic gave it 96 out of 100. Um, Eurogamer gave it 9 out of 10. Nintendo Power gave it 5 stars. IGN gave it 9.6 out of 10. It's tough for me to really say that this game is anything less than a 10. Yeah. I still enjoy Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask more. So I would put it slightly beneath that. So I I would give it a 9.5 just because I like those games a little bit more. But I absolutely love The Wind Waker. It's so much fun to play. The, The graphics are fun. It reminds me of a combination of like a comic book mixed with anime, especially the remastered version they did where everything's a little bit brighter. The shadows are a little more prominent. The cell shading really 
meshes well with Zelda. And I I think this is going to be a game that I, I hope, you know, 10 to 20 years from now, people look at it as, you know what? That was a really important addition to the Zelda franchise. Yeah, it's definitely one of those Zelda games that a lot of people didn't like at first, but it has aged well. Um, Absolutely. Very un, very unlike Zelda 2, which I still think is a dumpster fire to this day. <laughs> I heard your thoughts on it on the show last week. <laughs> um, it was actually, it says here, Nintendo Power named it the, the second best GameCube game of all time behind Resident Evil 4. I'll agree with that. I mean, Resident Evil 4 is a masterpiece, too, for the GameCube. These two games, I got these two games at the same time because I, I was late in the life of the GameCube. Like I said, I didn't get it till around 2003 or so. I think it was 2003 when I got it. And it was cheap. It was, you know, it was cheaper at the time, and I really wanted to get it. And uh, I got a bunch of games, I think, for it at first because the games were cheap. And I, I, I had gotten Resident Evil 4 and Wind Waker were two of the first games I got for it. And I just remember that popping in Wind Waker and not knowing what to expect. And it was so different than, the, you know, uh, the last game I played, which was Link to the Past. But immediately was just like, I'm into this. This is really cool. Like, this is the future of gaming, like this whole 3D world and environment. It looks like a cartoon and it, it's fun. And gameplay is, you know, that got that gameplay mixed with that controller. Mm-hmm. Still my favorite, probably my favorite game controller of all time. Yeah. It's the GameCube <laughs> one. No, and it, yeah, Wind Waker does enough different but it still feels like Zelda. Yes. Yeah. If that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I can't recommend Wind Waker enough. So I, I I would recommend if you if you pick up a GameCube, it's it'll be Wind Waker's not cheap. It's one of the more expensive games for the GameCube, but I highly recommend getting Resident Evil 4 and Wind Waker. Those are two of the absolute best games you can get on the GameCube, along with the Rogue Squadron games that they mm-hmm. put out for it. They're just, they still, they look great, they sound great, they play great. I'm so glad that, you know, Nintendo realizes that that controller was the best controller they ever made, and they still release that controller for new systems, because mm-hmm. that controller was perfection, man. Oh, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. This is such a good game. And it's weird because like, before you even said you were going to do this game, my girlfriend was actually watching a YouTube video of a playthrough of Wind Waker the other day. And I, I walked downstairs and I saw it on TV and I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to play Wind Waker right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so good. I really hope they release it for the Switch Me as too. part of, like, like we mentioned, uh, you know, 35th anniversary Zelda pack or something like that. I'm still ready to see if they do a, a Legend of Zelda 35 like they did with uh, Super Mario Brothers, a Battle Royale Zelda game. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm ready. That would, be, that would be great. But um, that would be great. Um, as far as next week goes, um, I'm not going to do a review next week. We're actually doing our roundtable discussion next week um, that you guys voted for on the Patreon, and we're going to be talking about the Metroid franchise. 
which will be, uh, I could talk for about Metroid for hours. I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm glad Metroid won the poll because I've been itching to talk Metroid Prime for a while. So I will definitely be talking about that. And, and some of the you know controversy that happened with that game because it was, it switched to first person, but yeah, we'll 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 save that for next it's week. It's another GameCube game you need to get. You have a GameCube as yep. Metroid Prime. Holy crap, that game was good. <laughs> oh hell yeah! I remember a few years ago, I was around 2010, somewhere around there. My my buddy Tony had a had gotten a GameCube um, from somewhere, and uh, Metroid Prime was his favorite game of all time. And I remember we sat at his apartment one night and just played Metroid Prime just passing the controller back and forth to one another. We played that damn game all night long. That was fun. No, it's it's on the short list of GameCube games that you should get, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but the, the week after next, my, uh, I, am, I know I've done a lot of Resident Evil lately. I reviewed Resident Evil 1 for my last review, and, uh, but I did play, also play Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, for the PS4, and I think I'm going to review that because I, I got to finish out the trilogy. I did Resident Evil. I did both. I reviewed both versions of Resident Evil Two. I did Resident Evil One, and now I'm going to review Resident Evil Three for the PlayStation. That's going to be fun. I, I'll be excited to hear that. I have been so immersed in in Resident Evil lately. I just I I, I may just go ahead and get Resident Evil Four for the Switch. <laughs> Even though they haven't, you know, remastered it yet or remade it yet, like they're they plan on it. Oh man, I can't wait till they remake one and four. Four was so good. Four is probably my favorite one after two. I haven't had a chance to play four yet, but I I have it. I just haven't played it yet. You have to play it and review it. I reviewed all the other ones. I want you to review four because I love four. Okay. I'm down for that. I think that should be your next one. <laughs> no, I, I dig it. All right. That, and plus, that'll give, me, that'll give me a couple of weeks to do it. Oh, yeah. And it's not that long either. I mean, it's only like a 12-hour game, maybe, to, yeah. to finish it. So you should be able to do that in three weeks. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, but, uh, but that's going to about do it for tonight's show. Anything you want to throw out there before we leave the season? Uh, no, I just, as I mentioned earlier, be sure to check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday on all podcasting platforms. And you can follow me on all forms of social media at D Diamond Podcast. And uh, Countdown is on for episode 300, which will air the first week of March. Yes. Uh, go check out the Open Micers podcast, my other podcast that I do with comedian Jake Craig. Uh, we do celebrity interviews and all that sort of stuff and we've had some pretty good episodes the last few weeks so go check that out at open micers on twitter and open micers on facebook and uh, i think that's gonna do it for this week. let me pull up our end of show notes here and i will play our music and if you would like to email us you can email us at nerdcaveretro gmail.com send us whatever news articles you find if you want us to talk about it on the show that's where you send them we're also at NerdCaveRetro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and individually at Jake Fantastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And of course, we're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Go throw us a couple bucks a month. Keep the lights on here at the show and 
we stay above that $50 level and we do those extra episodes every single month that everyone seems to love and we love doing. Um, And also, if you can't do that, I understand times are tough. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Master Blaster runs by the town.